When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live, CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. Justin Poulin here with you and John Duke by my side. And the regular season is over, John. So a successful year for the Celtics. Oh, wait. It's not over. But I'm done with it, John. (laughs) After the Cleveland game... Totally 100% done with the season. That was, that was so frustrating for me. And I know probably nobody wants to hear us complain about this so many days later, but yeah, I know we're tied with the Cavs and, and that Atlanta basically housed Boston and obviously two games in a row against Cleveland, but jeez. It was tough. That was a tough, that was, I, I mean, I, I flipped my lid, man. I flipped my lid when I was watching watching those games. I mean, the Cleveland game was tough to take, but but going in the next night, you thought, okay, well, you know, they realize now they're gonna they'll have. We've seen this before. They've taken, they've gotten their licking, and then they come in the next night and they're they're you know they're ready to go after it. And the way they played in the first three quarters against the Hawks. Was some of the most dispiriting, frustrating, anger-inducing basketball. I I just I was so pissed. No, they seem lazy, dude. They I'm using the lazy. p word. Yep. I was I was so angry. I mean, <laughs> I just look. I mean, they had it right there. And you know, with with the Cleveland loss today to the Hawks, it does a couple things. One, you know, it puts it. It, it, it kind of keeps. The, the, the seedings and, and the standings in the, in the, in the mirror. We'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. But, and in, just in it, case anybody's confused, the, the Celtics had beaten the Cavs. They still would have lost the tiebreaker. Right. Uh, if they finished the season with the same record. So I, I think anybody listens to this show knows that, but it's worth mentioning. But what it does do is <laughs> had they won that game, the Celtics would be at 52 and 28, and the Cleveland Cavaliers would be 50 and 30. Yeah, we so, would have had the game. We would have it, had right. the game we needed. I, you know, I, 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 there was a lot of talk about that, like breaking the tiebreaker. You and I were talking a little, quite a bit about that before our show last week. But the more I, you know, think about, it, I'm like, you know, there's so many other things that happen out there. Who would have thought that the Hawks would would go beat us? Beat them, beat, uh, was it Toronto? No, uh, beat Washington and then beat, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, who would have thought that they'd, they'd, I mean, that, that's a hot team right now. I was I, just gonna say, heading into the postseason. Not play. Yeah, a hot team and they've got, they definitely have some roster in limbo in the offseason. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get that whole, hey, let's just make the best of it while we're together sort of rallying cry. So we'll see how that plays out. But you're right, impressive finish to the year. Cleveland really limping, limping 
which is yeah. what makes that Boston effort so much more disappointing, is that here you had a team. Now, I will say Cleveland seemed to have righted the ship to a degree, but at, at the end of the day, Boston did not knock down open shots. That's a killer. And that just, again, looked dispirited. And the one thing I did like was it looked like they were really trying to get something set up for the postseason by really running everything through Al early. Now, it didn't work out. And, again, a lot of it was because they didn't knock down open shots. But how different would that game have looked if guys just hit their open threes in the early going? Because what they were trying to do with Al, just feeding it in the middle and feeding in the middle, especially with Tristan Thompson out, was exactly what I was hoping we would see down the stretch because Brad keeps talking about we need to just get to a point where we have the chemistry where we're playing playoff basketball. They certainly aren't yet, but the things that he's trying to put into place to prepare for the postseason are the right things in my opinion. Well, and I and to add to that, I think the the second unit that he put together the next night in Atlanta and then kind of rolled out again – uh, in Charlotte there on Saturday, I think is, a, is, a, is another one of those pieces where, okay, now I'm starting to figure out what I've got to do. Who do I have to put next to smart? You know, for example, and, and basically put, throwing smart out there with Jalen Brown, uh, and, and, and keeping Horford in the game. So basically having, trying to make sure that Horford or, or Isaiah basically are on the floor at all times. And I think that that, that worked pretty well there in the first half. Did that before the Hornets. But it was when Avery Bradley was injured and right. it was almost part of that, okay, now we've tried to establish the second unit. It's going to be disrupted because we have to pull somebody into the starting lineup. Ultimately the one that stuck around the all star break was with Jalen Brown at the two, but it looks like he's kind of revisiting that, like what you just said, Isaiah or Horford on the floor, some sort of stabilizing vet or, you know, one of the best two, either one of the best two players on the team out there as the rudder for the offense. And it really is an offensive issue. It's not a defensive issue. It's an issue on offense and making the extra pass and making sure that the movement is there because they can get so stagnant sometimes. Um, how about we just tie that to the whole Avery Bradley came back and Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown seem to have been slumping to some degree. Yep, yep. That, that's you know that was that was kind of my <laughs> that's kind of where I, my brain was going after I the, the anger had subsided. <laughs> I said many angry things Thursday night. People were mad at me Thursday. There was a lot of people that night who were you getting you some know, Twitter hate? Oh, people, I was people firing people back were, at you. People were not happy, you know, settle down. It's just a game, you know, it's just a game. I'm like, no, you don't seem to understand. Like, the number of games the Celtics team lost to good teams, playoff teams, it's concerning. And it's for the second year in a row, they're limping into the playoffs. Only this time they're doing it on the basis of, uh, with, with really good health, generally. And the fact that they're not closing strong is is a concern. And this is a team that we thought was going to you almost to wish fight they just stride. rested the players at this point. Absolutely, just let them rest and then run Absolutely. some extra practices and yep. all the things that they were trying to put in. Let's not do it in game. Let's do it in the gym because now they've showed some of their cards to the league. 
and right. they really haven't gotten the wins. Now, they might still, and we could talk about this, they might still get this top seed. So it's not out of the question. I would love it if they could stay out of the Raptors bracket uh, unless they face the Raptors instead of Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. But it would be awesome to have Cleveland and Toronto in that 2-3 bracket and just stay away from us. Absolutely. Uh, that would, that's that would be a dream. It, it, right, and that's why it's like, well, you know, if, if they had rested, they wouldn't have. They're going to end. They wouldn't end up playing Washington, right? So then it's then you're you're stuck in the, in the second round playing Cleveland or Toronto. So you probably it's probably worth it to have tried to to get at least one or two extra wins on the on the chance that you can get that top seed. Because well, and then they might have been able to, to rest too, right? If they had beat Cleveland and taken Atlanta. They might have, especially if Atlanta had then gone on to beat Cleveland twice, they could have yep. taken their foot off the pedal for a whole week. The next two games, tonight uh, against the Nets, which we'll get to that in the second half of the show, and then Milwaukee, the team that scares me, <laughs> on Wednesday. And then they'll either play Saturday or Sunday, depending on how it all breaks out. They really could have taken a full week off, and then even if they didn't do it, what we just like we just said suggested where they just did that for the last two weeks, kind of what Cleveland was trying to do. If they didn't do that, then you know, they'd still have this full week to maybe put some of that second unit out there, get them fresh, and let everybody have a little bit of a break and then work work out strategy in uh, in practice. So that's not what happened, unfortunately, and it looks like they're probably going to have to play pretty hard to close out the season and I'm not going to say that this Nets game is a guarantee either because the Nets really trying to finish the season pretty strong little spiteful towards the Celtics for good reason and (laughs) have played the Celtics pretty well and the Celtics you know again just this whole lack of it's hard to say lack of effort but but definitely lack of lack of mental crispness is Probably the lightest that I can go with the criticism about how they've played lately, and and that's right, and that that they the inability to embrace the underdog role even when they're not the underdog or the out and out underdog in the game, I, it's a it's a mindset issue to me with these guys, and it has been for a long time, and I think you know Avery Bradley talked a lot of a lot about that. Uh, other, you know, Horford talked about it, but Bradley probably most appropriately in the last two days here talked a lot about the fact that we need to feel like we're the underdog, underdog all the time because we are the underdog all the time. Even if we're, you know, the one seed, no one is expecting us to win. No one is expecting They're us to They're always going to play you know, to the opponent. They're absolutely. always yeah. going to play to the opponent, except obviously the Cleveland game. They didn't play to the opponent at all. Well, but, they, and, and and they didn't, and, and I think probably Atlanta too, or you know. But you're right. They, you know, if it's the Nets game, you know they're gonna they'll they won't give it the all. Even even the Charlotte game, I and mean, they played a pretty good first half. Second half, kind of you know slips away. How many times have they had a 20 point lead in the fourth quarter only to see it fritter away down to, you know, but a few possession game? They're, as, as our, our good friend Ryan Bernardoni says, Mr. Danger Cart, they are blowout adverse. They are. They're totally blowout adverse. They get feeling good about the themselves counterpoint. and they the, stop working. Yep. The counterpoint to all of that is 
go look at how many close games they've won this season, regardless of the opponent, they yep. seem to come out on top in close matchups, which should fare well in the postseason. And in some respect, you could say they're battle-tested for the postseason because it is likely that they're going to have a lot of these close games. Uh, but and, – and the league does tend to like it that way, right? I mean, they like oh, to totally. have close games. They they want the series to go seven. There's There's all of that aspects that come into play that if you're a fan of the NBA you have to acknowledge it on some level that it that it's a present it's a it makes its presence known in the postseason to some degree sure there's there's first round sweeps and that's going to happen when you have such a talent disparity but if you have two teams that are playing to each other's level maybe maybe the eight seed or seven seed is playing up then you wind up having a competitive series and that the, the league would love nothing more than that in the first round for the Celtics, and they'll probably get it. I have a hard time envisioning the postseason where the Celtics blow anybody out. Like Danger Card said, blowout adverse, they're not going to do a four-game sweep. We'll be lucky if they win any series in less than six games, and it'll feel a lot like that first postseason run with the big, the, the second coming of the big three era with Paul and KG and Ray where they really fought through every single series even if they were not a, you know, the over, even when they were the overwhelming favorite. So I think we will, we've been talking about that all along that we're probably going to see that. Um, real quick, just station identification. Um, want to remind everybody to follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin and John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio and the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Don't forget that we've got an app. The CLNS Radio app is pretty killer. It's for iOS and Android. All you have to do is go to your app marketplace and search CLNS Radio. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss. I, I'm going to do a little full disclosure here for you too, John, because I said to kick it off, I'm kind of done with the regular season, and it really happened during that Cleveland game. I legitimately fell asleep in the second half. I <laughs> I paid more attention to Twitter and effectively checked out of the Atlanta game by midway through the third quarter and re- did not watch the Charlotte game. So that's that's pretty telling for me because uh, I'm ready for the postseason. Whatever it's going to be, it will be. <laughs> Well, I think I think that's that's true. The one thing I, I would say is I think it, it's whatever is that not to be well, true. Well, no, it's like when we were talking about the the fifty three wins, you know, and like all of those like win predictions. You're gonna it nail really, it, dude. You're gonna nail it. Well, that'd be nice. You're I'd, gonna I'd get like your fifty three. I'm telling I'd like you. That. But I honestly, I don't care because tell me how they do in the playoffs. Like that to me is is where this season is judged and like I got this is what I got all the flack for it because I said this the Celtics could lose in the first round and people like well no kidding well yeah no kidding but should the the one or two seed lose in the first round how many times has the one seed lost in the first round of the playoffs I can count it I can count it on one hand how many times that's happened they wouldn't have any trouble playing like the underdog ever again in the future if that happens I mean, it's, it's, they are, 
people are not understanding like how badly the Celtics club has played at times when they haven't been locked in and they haven't been locked in. As you said, the Cleveland game, other than the fourth quarter and, and Marcus Smart kind of turning everybody and, 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 you know, changing that, turning that game around, they should have lost that by 30 by the way they were playing most of that game. This is a team that needs that, that intensity. And I would, I kind of, you know, I kind of shut off in part what the result is of the game. What I'm more concerned with is, is their direction and how they're playing. And, you know, does, is the precursor of what this, what this portends here in the next weeks, you know, and month, and months ahead. Is this what the team is going to be? Are they going to get into the playoffs and say, yeah, they can't compete against Cleveland. They can't, you know, they can, they can lose to an Atlanta team that they have been better than all season long. That's what concerns me is that, you know, when you put the pieces together and everyone gets to the end of the season, the Celtics still are short from those teams, you know, and that, that And worries. it's been proven that teams know what to do in the postseason to take Isaiah Thomas out of it. And I don't mean he doesn't still get his points and he doesn't hit shots, but they're able to focus on him, put a double team on him, whatever whatever they want to do. They just put so much attention on him, and that's what's scary. Nobody else on the team stepping up, and that's that's what the concern is. The rebounding is an issue. It's not a deal-breaker. Game planning for Isaiah Thomas to a point where it takes everybody else out of the offense. Look at what happens when the Celtics in the past, and this can go this can go years back, or you can look at regular season games. But Cleveland is such a perfect example of this, where they come up with a strategy to beat LeBron or limit him or shut him down, and it works. But then they get beat by somebody else on the roster. Somebody else always steps up. Some compadre of LeBron is ready to go to knock down shots, get the rebound, whatever it is. And we just don't have that. We don't have that. And in a seven-game series, the opposing coach can throw a couple of little wrinkles into that game plan and really exploit the fact that we don't have another score. And I think that's why people are so excited to draft Markel Fultz. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I think that I think that is a a big, a big, a big calling card is that the Celtics need that other guy they can go to, and people who were saying, "Well, why not the max contract guy Al Horford?" That's not what he does. And you can sign a max contract guy who isn't that player for you. I mean, Draymond Green is not that player for the Golden State Warriors. Can he get twenty and and grab a, you know, a lot of boards? Yes, but but that's not what he does there. And look at where the Celtics' offensive overall offensive efficiency is with Al Horford on the on the floor, or or as a team where they are last year to this year. They're a night and day team compared to where they were last year to this year. I mean, right now they're they're in the top ten for offensive rating. That wasn't anywhere near where the Celtics were at any point last year. So they've made strides, but but when you get into that playoff series, you do need that guy who can take the take the shot. Well. Al Horford isn't a guy that's going to take the shot, but he's going to swing the ball that way. He's going to create an opportunity for him. So you've got to you've got to respect that. Yeah, the um, issue with Al Horford's impact is the same as it is with Isaiah. 
It's that when they do try to create for somebody else, nobody else is stepping up. Jay Crowder has definitely knocked down three balls, and that's his shooting percentage this season has been incredible. But there are many, many open looks that don't get hit. Kelly Olenek was definitely one of those guys over the last week. Uh, Marcus Smart was one of those guys. Actually, Jalen Brown, for all of his struggles, started to knock down open threes. He's loving that corner three. And I guess I'm fine with him just camping out there and, and waiting for it to swing over because he's not a focal point in the offense and they're not really defending it. And nor should they really. The scouting report on Jalen isn't he's going to hit that he's going to hit every single open three. But if he can, as he ramps up, that would be nice. We are going to uh, hear a quick word from some of our sponsors and then we'll come back after the break. But John, when we do come back, let's talk a little bit about that big glaring issue. And if there is somebody who is going to step up in the postseason and start to make all of what Horford does on the floor work and draw attention from Isaiah Thomas, who's going to be the most likely candidate? I know we're going to preview the postseason. Actually, we'll be right into the throes of it by the time we have our next show. And we may increase how often we do a show through the postseason. So everybody stay tuned, and I'm sure there will be some postseason uh some uh, live post-game shows as well on CLNS Radio that John and I will be participating in. But let's think about that as our big precursor. But first, we will talk to you guys about Blue Apron and their mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, and they set the highest quality standards uh, for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. I love it because for less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. So you don't have to do the shopping. You don't have to do a whole lot of preparation. All of the meal is right there, and it's still less than $10 a meal. It's less expensive than going out. It's a much better way to eat, and it's good for the family to come together as well. So you can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences, and there's no weekly commitment. So if you need to skip a week, if you're somebody like me who travels often and you've got a big, busy week coming up, you just do it. And actually, that's what I'm doing right now. I got meals for this week, but next week I'm going to be traveling. So we skipped a week, and then I'll get meals the following week. It's really easy to manage. You hop online, and me and my kids all sit down at the computer with my wife, and we pick the meals out together and choose what we're going to have, which is just, it's fantastic. And it, it gets a lot of conversations going with the family, even as you're just doing some basic planning. So upcoming meals, spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta salada, sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger fried rice, parmesan-crusted chicken with creamy fettuccino and roasted broccoli, and baby baby broccoli and fontina paninis with hard-boiled egg and arugula salad. So check out this week's menu. And here's the great thing. As a listener of Celtic Stuff Live, you'll get your first three meals for free along with free shipping. So that's like literally free. So by going to blueapron.com slash Celtics, you'll get three free meals with free shipping. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Celtics. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And then SeatGeek 
And I noticed Jim Gaffigan, because we keep talking about this, John, but Jim Gaffigan is in Boston, I think, as we record. And uh, had a funny little Twitter back and forth with Kiefer Sutherland because on the menu at what Jim said was supposedly the nicest hotel in Boston, they actually had Hot Pockets on the menu. <laughs> and Kiefer says, Kiefer says to Jim, hey, man, if they're served at the right temperature, they're still, you know, they're, they're still divine or something crazy. So it was a, it was a good exchange. We've talked about it. Jim Gaffigan, you definitely should get tickets to see this guy. He is on fire right now. But as the Celtics playoff push heats up, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every single game. And that's coming up next weekend with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience. You can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. So SeatGeek saves you all kinds of time and money by searching multiple ticket sites. They compare the prices and find you an amazing deal. And to get you the most bang for your buck, they grade every ticket based on that value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit within your budget. Plus, every one of these purchases is fully guaranteed, so you don't have to worry, and you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available, too. And I'll tell you what, we went to Disney on Ice today with my two girls, and we got our tickets through the SeatGeek app. So best of all, you can do the same thing. You, as a listener of Celtic Stuff Live, will get a $20 rebate off their off your first SeatGeek purchase. So to get your $20 rebate on tickets, just go and download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and then enter our promo code CSL2017 and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CSL2017 today. So, John, who is the guy in the playoffs as we talked about before uh, we heard from Blue Apron and SeatGeek, who is the guy in the playoffs that you think is going to wind up stepping up to make Al Horford's impact yield return, right? Because that's the thing. Everything he does requires the rest of the team to do what they're supposed to do so we get a, we get a return on the investment that he makes in others. And then also by taking some pressure off of Isaiah Thomas – will allow Brad Stevens to have some counter moves when the opposing teams start to game plan for what he's trying to do with Isaiah and Al Horford. Who's the guy that is the most likely to step up in your mind and give them the lift that they're going to need? Not, not, not in round one necessarily, although we'll see glimpses, but definitely in round two and if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, Who's the guy that is going to make some noise for this team so that they can have some success? Well, you and I have talked a lot about who gets, who stays after this season and that there's a lot of guards in this roster and who stays and who goes. And you, you kind of threw the question to me and I took it in a different direction. But the issue of when Avery Bradley came back, Marcus Smart went to the bench. And, or, or I should say, stayed on the bench longer and, and Jalen Brown went to the bench. It kind of threw, and, and I think really hasn't really recovered since that point. The team hasn't recovered. Um, Bradley's had 
other than, you know, we had that bout of the flu over the last week, week and a half. He's done all right. He's done pretty well. But Smart and Brown really have not recovered. And so the question, I, I, well, I think Jay Crowder is a, is a fine uh, person to be considering here. The number two scorer in this <laughs> team so is Avery funny, Bradley. But yep, yep, keep going. Avery Bradley's the guy. Like it, it has to be Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley has to be a number two scorer who the Celtics can count on. And he's averaging 60 in a game right now. In the playoffs, he's got to be up 18, 19 points a game. And if he doesn't get there, I'm not saying then you trade him, but I'm saying, I am saying that, that that's what he needs to be. He needs to be a consistent scorer to be able to, to offset with the other guys who effectively, who his presence has turned, has kind of dropped down. I mean, we're, we have less Marcus Smart in our lives because Bradley returned. We have less Jalen Brown in our lives because Avery Bradley returned. And I said this when, when he was coming back that, that, I'm hoping that they can hold this together and introduce Bradley, and they weren't so far. Now they're going to have another chance here in the playoffs. With the rotations getting tighter, there's going to be another chance to to see if can they make this work with those, I'll say, three guys, but particularly Bradley and and Smart. To me, those two are really the ones, the linchpins in all this. And if Smart can get his shot going, as he did the other night against um, – the Hornets and, and really, you know, a bit there at the end there against the Hawks. If he can get that going, then, you know, maybe, maybe you can, you can add Marcus Smart into the mix here. But I'm looking right now at Avery Bradley and I'm hoping that he can make that leap to help this team get to the next level. Otherwise, we're going to have, as you said earlier, it's going to be a tough run to get even out of the first round. Yeah. Let's look at the eight man rotation. And answer the question one by one. You look at, all right, we already took Horford and Isaiah out of that equation, so we're down to six. We're going to immediately take Amir Johnson out of that equation because they'll let him have six seconds to get off a three-pointer, and it's still not <laughs> going to change anything about the way the opposing team is going to guard the Celtics. So he's now out. We have the two remaining starters in Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder, and then we have the three true guys coming off the bench to round out the eight man the eight man rotation, which is Smart, Olenek, and Brown. And we're gonna see some Jarebko and I think oh, yeah. Jonas did a nice job last year in the postseason of filling some rebounding void and I think he still might address that, but he's still not going to be the player that they need to draw the attention away from Isaiah and make all things Horford magical. So we'll have to take him out of the, out of, out of the discussion as well. He's too far down in that rotation. Although I do think he could be a special player. He may be the sneak attack once again. So now we have the two players left in the starting lineup. You've already picked Avery Bradley and explained that. Jay Crowder would be a great pick and is somebody I would have targeted just like you said, except the problem is he's going to largely be tasked with defending the opposing team's best score in many cases. He's going to have to do a lot of dirty work. And so I do expect him to hit the three-pointer. I do expect him to attack the basket and try to draw some contact and get to the free-throw line. I don't expect him to be the guy who draws it away. So that still leaves Avery Bradley 
in the lead dog spot. And then we're left with Olenek and Brown and Smart off the bench. And there is an opportunity for a bench player to still solve this problem. It does not have to come from the starting lineup. It's most likely. And I think if I were a betting man, I would go with your pick 100%. Kelly Olenek, not enough alpha to do this. He could on a game-by-game basis, but not on a consistent enough basis. And he's not alpha enough to really get it done. We need aggressive Kelly Olenek to show up. He would be the preferred choice. Let's just put it that way. Avery Bradley is probably the safe bet. Kelly Olenek would be the preferred player that would step in. I mean, he got the start the other night, and what he would do, and there was a lot of discussion in the preseason, you know, hey, if he gets back, or it's, or the off season leading into the preseason, we realized he wasn't going to be able to play a game before the season started, and then we, we missed about a month. But the spacing that he would provide Isaiah, he's really the only player that can do that because it inverts the offense. The only problem with Avery is Avery's going to knock down outside shots or those long twos. If he starts attacking the basket, it just basically sort of clusters everything up a little bit for Isaiah. Kelly Olenek is the guy that you want to do this. He's not going to do it. No. So then we have Brown and Smart. And if Smart hits the three-pointers and gets his gets his shot going, he would be an exciting one. And he's got all the alpha you need to be the guy. So he's the sleeper, right? Kelly's the guy you want. Avery Bradley is the safe bet. And Smart is the sleeper. And Jalen Brown is just the homer pick. I'd love to say it's Jalen. <laughs> you know, and I've been that guy. All season long. You have been that guy. But he is not going to be that guy. He is going to give them valuable minutes. But he you just watch how he's involved in the offense with the starters. Since he caught pulled out, there's no way. He is not engaged enough in the way that they operate camped out in the corner to be the difference maker that gets it done. And opposing teams will if he does wind up doing damage, they'll the opponents will be able to adjust pretty easily because he's a rookie and take him back out. So it really leads me, it really only leaves two viable players, Smart and Bradley, and ideally you would want it to be Olenek. So I'm going to go with your safe bet. I'm going to say it's it's got to be Avery Bradley. Like he is the only one who has the like the true experience. He's been in the postseason before. He's done it. He's got to be the guy. He does have to be the guy, and and I don't mean to throw the gauntlet down in front of him to say you know you better or else, but this is a pivotal this is a pivotal playoff for him. You know, I think all of us would say, well, what more could Isaiah do? You know, right? They're gonna they're gonna force the ball out of his hands, and they're gonna make other players on the Celtics beat you know beat the other team. And Bradley needs to show if he wants to get paid and get paid here, he needs to show that he's he can do that. I'm not saying that he needs to be the star. I'm not saying that he has to score 22 a game. He doesn't have to be Bradley Beal, but he's got to be able to make them pay. And if he can't make them pay, they're gonna they're gonna look other, the other way. And, and our earlier conversation about needing that second star. Is it plays a big role in that, and if Bradley shows that he can do that, that that makes him much more valuable to Celtics and everyone else. But it much more valuable to the Celtics, and this is a team that has tried to keep their band together. So, 
I think it's a whole lot more likely if, if they're successful in this playoff run with Avery Bradley that they keep him. They try to keep him here. And, you know, and, everybody and still at you're right. Hayward. It, that's where, that's where you popped up on Twitter saying you were a little bit, uh, uncomfortable with how likely Marcus Smart could be as the guy they yes. move and that that yes. seemed to be upward trending in your mind. And it, it makes me a little nervous too, but if Avery Bradley is that player in the postseason, the only reason it makes me nervous is because of size and the likely draft pick. It's like Marcus has been on the bench and, you know, depending on what Brad wants to do with that three guard lineup, I think Smart and Fultz, it's, you know, Smart will be able to deal with that. If Avery Bradley had to go to the bench for Fultz, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue. and um, But it would be a necessary move because I just think that backcourt is just too small. It's too small. Um, it's it, Despite the fact that Avery is such a great defender, it's, it's an issue. Size matters. So... That's that that is a little bit of that's a little bit worrisome, but I do think you're right. And keep in mind, the Celtics have this awesome record with their preferred starting five. And right when Brad was getting ready to ramp that starting five up, which player missed a bunch of games because of flu-like symptoms? Avery Bradley. I don't think we've seen him at his best as they're trying to get to that point. So that's just another reason why you could see him really stepping up in the postseason because he really isn't even a hundred percent. He might be, might have been by the, by the Charlotte game, but, but no continuity there missing a game and coming back and, you know, having the flu and being ill. He hasn't had a chance to get his momentum going. And that's another reason to think that he might have a major impact in the postseason. I would argue that the best run the Celtics club has had came not with Avery Bradley. You're going to go Jalen. I'm going to say the Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart led group where they went, uh, I'm just from January 25th until the all-star break. They lost two games. Uh, that but was that's, their best but run. that's the doldrums of the season. I'm with you on that. I thought but, about that the other day. But that, to me, is more of a statement against the Celtics team not quite being there yet because that's when a lot of teams stumble is during that middle. That's when they kind of lose their passion. They've kind of figured everything out. They're coming out of the holidays. Like That's when teams are vulnerable. So I hear you, but it almost could be used as the argument about why the Celtics won't make – any postseason noise as well, that particular stretch. It's, it's almost like it's fool's gold. But I think it speaks to who they were, like who was playing them. And and that was – it was style of play. It was a rebounding team. It was a defensive team. It was a team that was doing all the things that they had to do. And, and I think while Avery Bradley is – I think unquestionably a great on-ball defender. We all of us in our minds can can picture him completely tying up Kyrie Irving there in that last Cle- or the next to last Cleveland game. As a as a team defender, he's not that same caliber of player. I think we have to acknowledge that, and you know, I don't think he's going to get on. I think that's off. also where the size hurts. They just exploit. I think so too, and that's why I think Jalen. Almost over, or not. Oh, he exceeded expectations during that run because yeah. of the fact that they were able to do something completely different with 
the way that they defended opponents. And that length and his athleticism was definitely helpful. Did he have lapses? Yeah, he had lapses all right. And he's going to. But it would be nice to have a 6-7 shooting guard next season, no doubt. Um, or I'll take 6-4 with really long arms. That would that would also be pretty cool. And speaking of, so we'll, we'll move on from that because we're going to dive into the postseason by the next show. And we'll be maybe a game in, maybe not, but we're going to be – no, we'll be a game in for sure because we'll record on Monday. So they'll have played their first game on Saturday or Sunday. So we'll have a game in, and, and we can we can start to assess some of that. One of the other things that happened was that thanks to the Lakers and the Suns and the Nets, you know, giving us a little bit of a scare, but the Celtics have locked up or clinched, or I should say the Nets have clinched the worst record <laughs> and uh, secured – in a swap with the Celtics, the number one uh, best odds of getting the number one pick in uh, 25 out of the 100 ping pong balls are going to have uh, the nets on them and ultimately be given to the Celtics. So I love it. And you and I went back and forth, on, not back and forth, but we were on Twitter talking about this. This is not going to be like it was when they sent Tommy and the pick dropped all the way to number five and we didn't get Durant or Odin and wound up, you know, making the trade, etc. I don't think we can be disappointed this year. The top four picks are great. Now, we can debate, and that's really where the Twitter conversation was, about what the value is and the difference for another club between one and four. But, yeah, I think there's a drop-off at five and down. But we don't have to worry about that. And I think if the Celtics keep the selection, make the selection, five years from now, they'll be happy with any one of those top four. I actually feel pretty pretty strong that this highly touted draft class is legit. I, I have questions and concerns about Lonzo Ball, but, you know, he's only going to play in L.A. anyway. <laughs> well, that's assuming L.A. gets their pick because, you know, there's a yeah, chance. Yeah, they might not swap either. That's right. Right. Like I just uh, so I just ran the 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 mock uh, here, and uh, the Celtics have the number one pick. Uh, thanks ESPN. Knicks got number two. Or Magic got number three. Suns four. Sixers five. Fifth and sixth, which is kind of funny. So that means that the one of those picks uh, is the Lakers pick. I, yeah, I mean. I know what you're saying about, you know, if it's top four, it's all good. Uh, but you still have to make a choice there. And, like, for example, Chad Ford has them taking Malik Monk over Jason Tatum. I think that's a mistake. I think Tatum is, is think the real deal. I think that's a huge mistake. But that's – there. you still have to make a choice there. So there's nothing guaranteed. There's nothing obvious about any of these picks, which isn't really what you and I were talking about. I think that having the number one pick, it makes a difference. It makes a difference if you're trading out of that pick. It makes a difference if you're, if you have the right to take whoever you want to take. It makes it, I think, a bigger difference than, than certainly, you know, just on the, on the sheer basis of what's the fourth pick worth versus what's the first pick worth. Having said that, if they get Josh Jackson, do I think he's, you know, there's just this huge gap between him and Markel Fultz. No, I don't. I think Fultz has the best chance to be a great, but that, I don't think Josh Jackson has 
you know, so many things to, to, to step over to be a great player. Same with Tatum. Same with Ball. You know, I, I just, I think Fultz is the guy. I think it's just obvious that that's the guy you take. But, you know, that there's a difference out there, I think, more maybe in terms of trade than there is probably in, in actually who you take. Maybe that's the, that's probably a better way of looking at it than, than in terms of, you know, Fultz versus Tatum. Well, and I think, I can't, I think it was Danger Cart, but a lot of people out there saying there's no way the Celtics don't make the selection at number one if they get it. So odds are the Celtics walk away with Fultz and he's going to be here next year, period, the end. Um, and you can see why. However, if they do slide, that's when the trade is more likely to happen, right? That's that's when, yeah. Because they, but but then the picks worth less. So then the question is how much less? Because if the Celtics say they're making the number one overall pick, if they get it, and that means it's Fultz, they'll trade other players, etc. Maybe that's but but or maybe they'll trade you know the 2018 Nets pick. And they'll flip that with players like Bradley. But at the end, of it, but I think the real question is, if it slips to two, does that take trading that pick off the table? Like, let's, what, what, is there a possibility if they, or even if they slide to three and four, let's say they slide to three and three or four, is there a possibility that the Celtics then value potentially next year's pick above this year's? And are more likely to trade the 17 pick to, to get their guy so that they can bolster this team for a postseason run next year? Well, that's a good question. I don't think that, I don't think that there's any way that they would value, a, let's say the fourth, going fourth, that the 18 pick would be valued more. I don't think there's any way which you'd do that. But because but there's look just at too all many the talk variables. about Porter right now. I agree. Oh, yeah. A lot of, lot of variables and you never know. The Nets could, could come out and really improve. And, you know, obviously once the draft lottery comes in about a month, having that set and determined gives that pick much more value in trade than who knows what the Nets will do over 82 games next year. But there is a lot of hype about Porter, you know, and obviously we, we've heard about Aiton as well. Decent draft. I don't know if people consider it to be as deep as this year's draft. I think they see it as a little more top heavy with some like real pronounced players that they, that people think are going to be, you know, true all stars in this league, you know, phenoms potentially. But, but this, this draft today is a very deep draft. I just, you know, I just, I, I don't know. Obviously, I think the pick this year is worth more than next year's pick just be, just based on certainty, but, how much? Where's the where's the gap if the Celtics, you know, don't don't get well if they get number one and they keep it, then two, three, and four. What's your drop off in your mind? I think two is well. Here's the, I think it's faults. I think that there are if if you believe what what Chad Ford says, there's there's there are scenarios in which faults doesn't go first, doesn't go second, and could go third. Now I don't know. That's a lot of tea leave reading. Honestly, I think if Fultz doesn't go one, someone's going to trade up to two. You know, <laughs> I just I don't see yeah. that, that he goes beyond two under any scenario. I think someone jumps up and says, "Hey, look, I'll overpay, you know, to get to make sure I get Fultz." 
even Danny, you know, if he's sitting at three and knows that, uh, let's say, you know, I'm trying to think of who Would could be disappointed if he took ball at number one? Like, we're assuming that Fultz is number one on the Celtics radar for what I would consider to be fairly obvious reasons. But would you be, like, what if all of a sudden yeah. Danny grabs ball? Would you I be would upset? Be, I, I, well, you know, and judging by <laughs> how my last, last draft being disappointed how that went i really shouldn't i should i should be disappointed because it works out pretty well but i, I don't yeah I, to me ball is is not the he's not the player that i think the celtics need i think that he's a good play he could be a good player in the right scenario but i think there's a lot of baggage there and i'm just i, I I'm just not a fan. I'm just not seeing it there. Yeah, uh, I love his all. passing. I do love his passing. Sure. I love I love the sure. team orientation, and there's a lot. There are a lot of things there to like, but that doesn't. You know, he could be Evan Turner. We don't know. <laughs> I hope not for his sake, but he could. And I think Jackson could be. I think Jackson, in terms of his top end, Jackson has a chance to be as good as anybody in this draft. I think he's, you know, he's he's long, he's lean, he's he's a lot like Jalen. He's a lot like Jalen. He is, but longer. He's bigger. You know, he's taller. He's, uh, I think he's, yeah, I I think he's more. I mean, in terms of the makeup and the the scouting report, sort of speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, but he, he, I think he got more opportunity to show his stuff in that system. You know, you look at where Jalen's well, choice of going, uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't the, the college system, everything, it just wasn't the best choice for him as far as draft stock and showing off his talents, right? He could have, right. if he had chosen a different, if he'd chosen a different school, we might be, we might have had a different conversation about Jalen last year, a very different one, but, but I, I hear you and I, that's why I, I mean, the idea of Jalen at the two and Jackson at the three, you know, three or four years from now is very enticing. That's a lot of length and a lot of versatility. Yeah. That's, that's some real, uh, you know, Milwaukee Bucks kind of situation there, you know, in a league where that's wings a are valuable, really good point. You know, it's, I mean, not as much length as what Milwaukee has, but, but in terms of the you know small forward you know you know shooting guard forward area, I mean that that that's they can go toe to toe there. Um, you know, I just you know, and, and then we got Tatum. Who, well, I was just going to say, and they might need to go. Yeah, and he's got the length too, and he, you know he, he does. He gets a shot curve. off because of how because of that. You know, he puts his yes. elbow up too, and he kind of you know he defends the. He protects the ball the way he his form is so good on that jumper that his elbow when it goes up actually protects the ball from you know thanks to his length as well but it protects the ball from being blocked he really has a a knack for being able to get his shot off which could be hugely helpful in the next level and he is also athletic maybe not as athletic as Jackson but he is plenty athletic um, and a good passer and a willing teammate those are all good things he, he, I don't think you can lose with either either of those guys but um, you make a good point about Milwaukee I mean they may be the team that we have to con- that any Eastern Conference team has to contend with in the years to come 
you know, what, what Giannis is doing is amazing and you're going to need length. So, you know, maybe Jackson or Tatum, if we do fall to three or four and don't trade the pick is serendipitously a blessing in disguise, so to speak. If we do go that way, it, it does. It sets you up for that next chapter and being able to prepare with throwing plenty of wings on the floor and, and go in at it that way. I, I just don't, I don't like the idea of, I, I don't know that Tatum will be a top tier guy. I think he could be a multi-time all-star type player. I, I don't know that he has that top end, you know, that, you know, Fultz, he's one of those potential to be a top 10 player. You know, on a regular basis, I'm not sure that's where. Yeah, you, you're thinking up. Tatum is a piece, not the piece. He's he's a, he's your two scorer, your number three scorer. I think Fultz is a chance to be your number one guy, and that's that's where you got to shoot for when you got the number one pick. That's why I look at it and say, well, you would be disappointed if you had four. You would be disappointed for three, but. There's a whole host of situations there and, and that, the, that are available before Danny Ainge, and he's still got max cap space no matter any of this, trade, no trade. So, And the other piece of this that we haven't talked about is we need to get rebounded. We talked about it earlier in the show. Like where does the rebounding piece 2018 come from? Nets pick is where it comes right. from. <laughs> yeah. Or Ante Zizic or, right. or, or Yeah, or you know, Kevin I mean, Pelton that's, and Chad Ford's. Uh, highly rated picks. Mo Bamba. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, but do we really want to wait another year before we, I mean, I, that's not realistic, of course, but. No, they, you, you, you kick the tires on Yabu and Zizic and then, and then you hope to, to swing even bigger next year. If, if I, there's no trade, if you don't address it in other ways. But is it reasonable to put it on a, I mean, he's doing great stuff over there in, in Europe, but is it reasonable to put that kind of expectation it's, on a it's, kid who's it's never played a minute of NBA basketball? It, it's reasonable to think that if all you're asking of Zizic is to bring that skill to know that he'll do it as well as Johnson or Olenek, the question is not can he do the rebounding because I think he's shown that that's – one of the, you know, that he is sort of that more traditional yeah. big. I think that was actually the concern when he was drafted is everybody thought he, hey, kid looks good, looks like he knows how to play the game, but it was almost, uh, it was almost a black mark that he was more of a traditional big because the league's right. going in a different direction. And exactly. now we're kind of circling back because it fits a team need and we're saying, is it unfair to put it on him? I guess it depends on what role. You're going to make him a starter? Okay, great. So are we just asking him to rebound the way that we've just asked Amir Johnson to be like the consummate anchor on defense and make sure that the rotations happen? Well, then fine. Will we, will, can we expect Zizic to be, you know, get the plus minus stats and some of the advanced stats that Amir Johnson brings? No, because he's going to have lapses. But if you're asking me if we can count on him to be the rebounder, sure we can. But, but can we count on him to be the starting center and have the team improve just, you know, based on what he's able to bring on the rebounding? No, that's unfair. So, you know, I'd like to see him come off the bench because the Celtics have satisfied the need with somebody who's a veteran and similar to what they're doing with Jalen Brown, let Zizic grow into the role and Yavaselli as well. 
but I don't think they're going to have that luxury. Uh, the only way that they do is if they wind up getting Blake Griffin and it's not Gordon Hayward this off season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's, that's right. And I, I think that if, if that's, if, I mean, if we just talked about how they need a number two score and that, that is necessary. Like they're able to do other things, you know, maybe that means that they, they do have weaknesses in other areas, but the Golden State Warriors don't exactly rebound to beat the band either. You know, that this, it's not as if it's, it's the death. That's because the there aren't that many offensive rebounds for them to have to go get. <laughs> You know, the opportunities just aren't there the way they are. You know, and, and you know what, we gotta end on this cause we're running out of time, but the number of offensive rebounds that Cleveland was able to get in that game, I mean, that is atrocious. And without Tristan Thompson. Without Tristan, yep. It's got to be addressed. Even That's if it is issue. just a sub, right? If they can game plan it against certain opponents and the scouting department helps Brad make that decision, no problem. But they need the 100%. If you're asking me if they're going to find room for Zizic on the roster, I have no doubt. He brings too much to the table that they don't have. Even even if they did go get Blake Griffin, he they still need some. They need somebody off the bench. So and and if they go get Blake Griffin, you're not going to have Amir Johnson here. So they're and maybe and quite likely not Olenek either. So it's it's a it's hard not to see a way that Zizic winds up contributing on some level next year. And, yes, he may let us down. Maybe not Jordan Mickey style, but he may let us down to some degree because, you know, he's a pro and he's been a pro maybe more than many or some, but he hasn't been a pro in the NBA. And that's still going to be a leap no matter how you slice it. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. I I wish it it was a veteran that they were bringing in to to rely upon, but that's I don't think probably the reality of the situation for them right now. No, it's not. All right, everybody. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as CLNSRadio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Thank you for tuning in to this week's show. You can support us by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Please give us a rating and a review. Your feedback is important to us. And a reminder that today's show has been brought to you by SeatGeek and Blue Apron. Not only do they have a great deal for all of you listeners, but you'd be supporting Celtic Stuff Live and the entire CLNS radio network. A big thanks for everybody and the loyal audience that tunes in every single week for making it all worthwhile for John and I. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.